Thank you, Jesus. Yes. We have a song that we were going to do during the offertory, but I think we should just do it now. Okay. All right. Shackled by a heavy burden Beneath the load of guilt and shame Then the hand of Jesus touched me takes is a touch from the Lord, isn't it? Yeah. Amen. This morning I want to speak about a subject that may be a strange subject to talk about, but we're talking about fear. We're talking about who do we fear. This week we had our annual business meeting and um, the devotional that I gave is the core of the message for today. And um, in fact, we're going to read through it in a minute. And for those that 
took the uh, scripture versus the devotionals on the other side of that. And if you have it, you can read through it with me this morning. But I know fear may seem like an unusual and maybe an unattractive topic to talk about. But as we understand the definition and the purpose and who we fear and who we don't fear, I think we'll see the significance of, the, of this message and why it's important that we understand fear and that we have a proper perspective of it. So first of all, I wanna, let's, let's start off by reading the devotional that we put together for our business meeting on Wednesday night. And if you have the paper, you can read it along with me. If not, you can just listen. It says, The heart of this pastor is one that seeks God in truth and love and will not back away from speaking it no matter the consequences. Even as I write this, it gives me a sense of caution to make such a bold statement. But in all honesty, do we really have a choice if we are going to adequately and effectively serve God? 1 Peter 3, verses 10 through 12 says, For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are on the attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Peter is actually quoting the psalmist in Psalms 34, verses 12 through 16. For a man who longs for good things in this life and in all eternity, he must recognize that he has a responsibility to keep his speech and his life in proper order so that God is able to work through him and for him. This passage is saying that for a man to see good happen in his life, he must live it honestly and in truth. Isn't that what keeping one's lip from deceitful speech is all about? How can a man that is afraid to tell the truth, even if it's a hard and unpopular truth to tell, be truthful if his lips speak deceitful things because he's afraid to speak the truth? You've got to think about that a little bit. Next, he must turn from evil and do the good things that God commands in his word. This includes seeking to be peaceful with people in the process of telling and living the truth. Does it seem difficult to be so honest and upfront and at the same time be peaceful with people? One would think that telling truth to people that don't want to hear truth would mean controversy and bad feelings will surely follow. But the secret to maintaining good relationships with people is found a few verses later. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Keep in a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Our motive for telling the truth is love for the person. If we, tr if we are truly loving them, then our motives will ultimately shine through the difficult message, and as a result, God's eyes will be upon us and he will be attentive to our prayers. So live righteously before the Lord speaking truth in love, and then allow the Holy Spirit to do the work that he wills as a result of your obedience, and then enjoy and love life. So with this as an introduction, let's talk more about what it means to have 
the proper fear of the proper authorities in our lives. The word fear is mentioned numerous times in Scripture, both in the negative and the positive aspects. Fear is a motivating or a paralyzing force. Either way, it creates a sense of or a form of action on our part, fight or flight. We either are going to fight in the fear or we're going to run or we're going to be paralyzed by the fear. We're told in Scripture that there are proper and improper things to fear. That is, if we are to fear the right things and don't fear the wrong things, things will go well with us. However, it's when we mix up what we fear and we fear what we're not supposed to fear and we don't fear what we're supposed to fear, it's when life gets a little messy. It's when things fall apart. First of all, let's talk about fear. What does define fear? What is fear? According to Webster, the fear means to feel anxious, to have a frightening thought or a feeling caused by the presence of anticipated danger. Or another definition is to reverence, a respect, an awe of somebody or something. Or to worry, a concern about something that threatens to bring bad news or bring bad results. Fear can have a few different implications depending on the context of how it's used. However, a common factor, though, of fear is that fear always includes more than the individual. There's always at least two parties involved or another force that is causing or is bringing the fear. And usually that other party, usually that other party becomes a controlling factor in the life of the one that is fearful. Fear requires an authoritative figure or of some type, meaning that, that I'm fearful of something or someone that can have a power over me or authority over me or can bring about something that would be consequential to me in most of the time a negative way if I'm using the fear in a negative sense. Or at least we think they do. <laughs> I mean, I think we have a lot of unfounded fears. I think there's a lot of things that we become fearful about that really aren't that bad, but yet we've allowed them to grow bigger. We've allowed that monster under the bed to be real. And in all honesty, there's no monster under the bed. But yet, perception's reality. And many times we allow things that we shouldn't become fearful to be fearful. So we need to recognize that there is a right and there is a wrong form of fear. And there are things that we should fear and there are things that we should not fear. So let's talk about some of these things. Let's understand what it means to have the right kind of fear of the proper things and then let's put away the fear of the wrong things and avoid that fear and not allow it to have an impact in our life. To do that, we need to look at Scripture. We see see the word fear used multiple times in multiple contexts. In the Old Testament, typically the, the word fear that's used the most is a Hebrew word and it's spelled Y-A-R-E, yer, yer. And it means to fear, respect, or reverence. And usually refers to the fear of God used as a positive quality. This fear acknowledges God's good intentions and makes a person receptive to the wisdom and knowledge that comes with fearing God. In the New Testament, 
the Greek word is phobos that's used the most. And it, it means a reverential fear of God as well. And it's not a, a mere fear of God's power and his authority because God is something to be feared because God is a, as much of a creator as he can be a destroyer. So there is a, there is a rightful fear to recognize God's power and his authority but really, when we look at fear the way the New Testament or Scripture really refers us to use it most of the time, it's, it's more of a fear that we have an awesome dread of displeasing God. That we don't want to displease God. We're so fearful, we're such reverence and such awe that we will do anything not to displease God. That's the right kind of fear that we have with Him. We've mentioned that there are right things and there are wrong things. There are right ways of fear and wrong ways to fear. The question is, what or who are we to fear and who are we not to fear? Let's look at Scripture. I have a lot of Scriptures here, and I think we're going to put them up on the board. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Again, we're talking about the things that we are to fear. For Proverbs 9, 10 through 12. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through wisdom your days will be many, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you are a mocker, you alone will suffer. Proverbs 10, 27. The fear of the Lord adds length to life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. Proverbs 14, 27. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a person from the snares of death. Proverbs 15, 31 through 33. Whoever heeds life-giving correction will be at home among the wise. Those who disregard discipline despise themselves, but the one who heeds correction gains understanding. The fear of the Lord teaches a man wisdom, and humility comes before honor. We could go on and on. I could read many more scriptures to describe for us that we are to fear the Lord and for good reason, that we are to revere him and fear him. And then it goes on, the Bible does tell us then also what we are not to fear. Okay, so we are to fear God, but now let's talk about what should we not fear. Proverbs tells us in Proverbs 29, verse 25, Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Isaiah 51, verse 7 and 8, Hear me, you who know what is right, you people who have taken my instruction to heart, do not fear the report, reproach of mere mortals or men or be terrified by their insults. For the moth will eat them up like a garment. The worm will devour them like wool. But my righteousness will last forever, my salvation through all generations. Isaiah chapter 51, verse 12 through 13. This is in the Living Bible. I, even I, am he who comforts you and gives you all this joy. This is God speaking. So what right have you to fear Mere mortal men who weather, wither like the grass and disappear. And yet you have no fear of God, your maker. You have forgotten him. 
the one who spread the stars throughout the skies and made the earth, will you be in constant dread of men's oppression and fear their anger all day long? Are you kind of getting the drift here? Who are we not to fear? Jesus tells us directly in Luke chapter 12, verse 4 and 5, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him, after, who after your body has been killed has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. What is Jesus saying? Men can be very damaging. Certainly they can hurt you with their words. They can hurt you with their insults. They can hurt you even bodily. In fact, men can even kill men. They can murder you. You could even die. But God says, but Jesus is saying here, don't fear that. What you should fear is he who after your body has been killed has the power to throw you into hell. And who is that? It's God the Father. Now, we're going to get a right recollection here of why we should fear God the Father this way. I'm not trying to create a negative sense of fear of God. Don't get me wrong and, and, and follow this. But what Jesus is saying is that we really have to have a right understanding of who that authority is in our life that we should fear. And it's not men. It's not men. We need to fear God. Why is this important for us to know who we are to fear and not to fear? Well, let's look at how God looks at his creation. I think we can all agree that God has no reason to fear man. There's nothing that I can do to make God afraid. I can't say, boo! To scare you. But it didn't scare God. I can tell you right now. I can get ugly. I can get mean. I can get aggressive. But there's nothing I can do to make God afraid. He's the creator. He has no reason to be afraid of his creation. He's also the judge of all he created. If God is the one doing the judging, then clearly the judge has no fear of whom he will be judging. So we can make it very clear that God does not fear men. So then how does God look at men? Well, we'll see, we can see all kinds of scripture as well that tells us that God loves men regardless of how men treat God. God loves us with an unconditional love. He created us. He loves us no matter what we've done to him or how we love him back. He loves us, and he never will stop loving us. I recognize that. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners... Christ died for us. He proved his love to us before we were worthy of loving, even if we're ever worthy of loving. We know John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have shall everlasting life. And we could go on quoting many other scriptures that proves the fact that God loves us. So we've declared a couple things here. First of all, we are to fear God and God alone, meaning that we are not to fear men. And secondly, that God has no fear of men. 
Rather, God has an, am- an immense amount of love for men. So how now does God want me, how does God want you, how does God want mankind to look at mankind? How do, are we to look at each other? If, God, if we know how God looks at us, how are we supposed to look at each other? If we're created in God's image, as we know we are, we've been told that, then how are we to look at God's creation? I think the very obvious answer is that we need to look at men the same way God does. He has no fear of men. Rather, he loves men unconditionally. Therefore, we are to have no fear of men, but yet we are to love men. And hang with me, because you're going to see how, how, how this all comes together. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 11, this is all, talks to us about how we love each other. Uh, read with me, or read along. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. This is so good. Let's just keep reading verses 12 through 21 because this is really good. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world we are like Jesus. Therefore there is no fear in love. But perfect love dries out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Pretty strong words. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. There's a lot to go back and digest there. I would encourage you to go home this week and go back through that passage and read it two or three times and ask the Holy Spirit to bring that alive to you because there's a lot there, more than what we can talk about today. But I want to just encapsulate it and say there, there are some things. I am to fear God. I am to fear God. And when I do, when I go back and rethink about all the scriptures we just read, I know that I am at the beginning stages of gaining knowledge and wisdom. When I fear God, it's the beginning of wisdom. Just the beginning. I'm just starting down the walk of knowledge. I also know that when I fear men, it's a snare to trap and destroy me. When I fear men, it is a trap to destroy me. But trusting the Lord keeps us safe. That's what the scripture said. Being created in the image of God, I'm created not to fear men, 
but I'm created to love men just as God loves men. So that's how we are, that's who we are to fear and who we're not to fear. So if that's the way God intended it, intends it to be, how does the devil want to twist it? We know that the devil will twist everything that God puts in our path and he'll twist it and he'll distort it. This is the way the enemy would have us to be. He would have us not fear God, but fear man. The devil would have us not fear God, but rather he would have us fear men. And he would have us love ourselves and hate God and hate other people. He would have us love ourselves, but hate God and hate other people. What happens? What happens when the devil gets his way? What happens when we stop fearing God? Well, when we stop fearing God is when we stop losing reverence for God and the things that honor God, where we start taking things of God's house or God's purpose in vain. We take his name in vain. We take his things and we don't honor them. We let other things come before God. It's when our priorities get skewed. And it's when we start putting other things before God is when I stop fearing God. It's when we we become selfish and we put ourself before God. And it's also when we become fearful of every good thing that God has in store for us because we become fearful of everything else. When I stop fearing God... I start getting afraid of other things. Oswald Chambers says this, The remarkable thing about God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. Think about that. Read it again. The remarkable thing about God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. What happens when we begin to fear men? What happens when we begin to fear men? This is when we begin to change our behaviors due to what men think of us. This is when I'm more afraid of what people think of me about what I'm saying than I'm more afraid of the final outcome of what I say. I don't want to offend anybody. I want everybody to like me. So I'll tell you something that may not be true so you like me. We want people to like us rather than telling us or rather rather than telling them the truth. So I will tell you whatever you want to hear as long as you like me because I'm afraid of you. Paul Chapel says fear of man is the enemy of the fear of the Lord. The fear of man pushes us to perform for men's approval rather than according to God's directives. The fear of man pushes us to perform for man's approval rather than according to God's directives. Somebody gave me this quote to me, and I don't remember who exactly it was. Somebody in this church. It's on my wall in my office, and let me read what it says. It is better to be divided by truth than united in error. It is better to speak truth that hurts and then heals than speak a lie. It is better to be hated for telling the truth than to be loved for telling a lie. It is better to stand alone with truth than be wrong with the multitude. The religion of today is get-alongism. 
It is time for men and women of God to stand, even if they have to stand alone. See, when I stop fearing God and begin fearing man, that's when the problems begin. That's just when it starts to get topsy-turvy. That's when I get my, pri my priorities all messed up. This is when I begin to follow the path of the evil one. This is when Satan starts to have control of my life. When I stop fearing God and, stop, and start fearing men, this is when I start putting myself under, under his control because I'm fearing the wrong authority. When I start fearing men over fearing God, I'm more concerned about saying things that people like to hear. I don't want them to think bad of me. John Witherspoon says, It is only the fear of God that can deliver us from the fear of man. It is only the fear of God that can deliver us from the fear of man. So how does this impact the love I'm supposed to have for people? If I'm fearing people, how does it impact my love for people? Well, here's the, here it is. When I start fearing people, first of all, it's not the same kind of fear that I have when I fear God. Because I fear God out of reverence. I fear God out of a sense of, of, of awesomeness. When I fear men, I'm fearing men out of a sense of rejection. I'm fearing men out of a sense of being hurt. I'm fearing men out of a sense of I don't want to be unpopular. I'm fearing men uh, because I don't want somebody to say anything bad about me, right? So when I, start, when I start fearing people, it's when I stop loving people because I can't love what I'm afraid of. I can't love you if I'm afraid of what you're going to think about me. If you really understand what love is, I can't love what I'm afraid of. This is exactly the way Satan has twisted the fear of the Lord into the fear of men. Satan distorts the truth of God into an opposite replica of what God wants for us and for what God intends for us. And remember, all that God has for us, he is intending good things for us. No matter what it appears like at the moment, if God's in it, it's for your good. Let's recognize that. When I start fearing men, I stop loving men. And basically what that says is I don't care about you anymore. I don't love you. I don't care about you. I don't care where you go. I don't care what you do. I don't care if you go to hell. I don't care if you go to heaven. I just want you to like me because I'm afraid of you. Do you see anything wrong with that? How can a man stand before God as a pastor or as a leader with that kind of an attitude and be pleasing to the Lord. See, a person that fears men over fearing God is the one that will willfully watch his brother or sister run out in front of the proverbial truck. You and I know that if you were out here on Highway 66, yesterday, guys, if we were out here raking a lawn and we, see, we saw coal or one of the men, not see the truck coming out on Highway 66, and they started running across the street, and there was a truck coming, and they didn't see it, what would you do? Somebody do it. What would you do? You'd holler. Hey! Hey, there's a, cut. There's a truck coming! But we have people that are running toward the cliff of eternity. And what are we doing? We're turning around 
We don't want to offend them. We don't want to talk to them. We don't want to tell them they're wrong because, you know, we might offend them. How can that be love? How can that be showing love of Christ to a person that is running full speed toward hell and we not say, hey, hey, are you reading God's word? Do you see what it says? Do you believe it? God means it. And I'm telling you this because I love you. I'm not telling you this because I want to be right and I want you to be wrong. Now, that we could have a motivation for that. We could have a motivation to say, I'm right and you're wrong, and that's not what God wants. Now, Jackie, if you'd come, we'll start to wrap this up here. But the purpose of this message is that we would take the time to review our perspective of people. Am I fearing the right thing? Am I fearing the wrong thing? Am I fearing God or am I fearing you or people in general? How can I tell who I fear? Who, how can I tell? What, what are some things that I can look at in my life to determine, am I fearing God or am I fearing people? How do I know? How do I know? Matthew chapter 10, verse 32, in the easy-to-read version of the Bible, it says this, If you stand before others and are willing to say you believe in me, it's Jesus speaking, then I will tell my Father in heaven that you belong to me. But if you stand before others and say you do not believe in me, then I will tell my Father in heaven that you do not belong to me. So here's one way you can tell if you're fearing God or fearing men is, are you afraid to talk about Jesus in front of men? If you're afraid to talk about Jesus in front of men, can I tell you that you're probably fearing men more than fearing God? It's very clear. If you're not willing to be a testimony at school or at work, if you're ashamed of who Christ is, and can I tell you, you're probably fearing men's opinion of you more than you're fearing God's opinion of you. Are you more concerned with what people think than how God will judge you? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 30 to 31, For we know him who said, It is mine to avenge. I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. <laughs> so, are you more afraid of my hands, my words, my tongue, my opinion, or are you afraid of the hands of a dreadful God? Because God loves people, but God is also a very just God. He cannot overlook injustice. He would not be a good judge. Some will say, well, when I get to heaven, God will he'll oversee some things in my life and, and he'll let me in because he's a good judge. Well, did you just hear what you just said? A good judge would never over, overlook justice. Try that down in the court of law down here. Go down here with a speeding ticket and say, well, because you're a good judge, judge, let me off on a speeding ticket. And he's going to say, just because I am a good judge, I can't let you off. I wouldn't be a good judge then. 
See how skewed the devil plays games with us? If we fully embrace the love that God has for us as being so powerful and so strong, and if we recognize that he's given us many, many, many chances to choose him, to choose his grace freely, then we should allow that to give us a reverence and a fear of who God is, and we should then receive eternal life through obedience. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, and not only in my presence, but how much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Fear and trembling. I'm to work out my salvation. I'm not working for my salvation. I'm working out my salvation. I've already received Christ, but now I have to live in it. And I live in it with fear and trembling because I don't want to displease God in any way, shape, or form. I don't want him to be embarrassed of me. I want to live my life so pure before him, so holy before him, so righteous before him, so bold for him that I want him to look at me that day and say, Mike, you did a great job. Well done, good and faithful man. Well done. You did all I asked for you to do. Were you perfect? No. But you were, you were forgiven. Wow. See, that's God's will for each one of us, is to, that we would love him with all of our hearts and that we would fear only him and that we would work out our salvation in the fear and reverence and the trembling that he deserves, knowing that God's intention for us is good and only good. He has nothing bad in store for me and you. Do you know that? No matter what's going on in your life right now, no matter how bad life is, no matter if you're, no matter what's going on, God intends it for your good. And I'm going to fear that God. I'm going to revere that God. And it is my prayer this morning that all of us in this church, that we would do as we as we, we as we already read that 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 perfect love drives out fear. Perfect love drives out fear, and that one who fears godly things is made perfect in love. And that we don't fear each other. We love each other. I love you. And because I love you, I'm going to tell you the truth. Because I love you, I'm going to declare God's word to you. Yeah, you may throw up on me. That's okay. Because I know you're not really throwing up on me. You're throwing up on, on, on spiritual battles that are not... It's not about me. I know that. So therefore, my skin has gotten thickened over the years, and thank God for that. But I know that when I'm rejected, it's not rejecting me. They're rejecting Jesus. They're rejecting Jesus because he was rejected by men. And he said, they're going to hate you like they hated me. But you love them anyways. You love them. And that's what I'm declaring this morning, that we love each other. And we tell each other the truth. Amen. Let's sing the song that Jackie's playing one more time. I, that, that there is no fear and, and that we recognize that our fear is of God and God alone. And that we love people. And if you've been offended by someone or whatever, would, would you just go to that person and just say, you know what, I'm sorry. My, my priorities have been skewed. I need to get my life back with God. I need to fear God because he is the only thing I fear. Amen. As we do that, we'll have peace and unity.
Father, we thank you. We declare our, our, our family ties. We declare we're adopted into the family of God. And your blood runs through my veins. And as a result, Lord, I fear you. I revere you. I, I call you my Father. And I do everything I can to please you and not to displease you. So, Father, free us. Free us from the enemy's trap of fearing people. Help us to love people the way you love people. Help us to get along. Help us to serve each other. And Lord, if there's something in my heart, if you need to change something with me, then change it. Bring it to my knowledge. Bring it to my awareness that I would then deal with this and I would then take authority over it and I would take responsibility for it and I would be accountable. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name for your freedom. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.